Welcome to the Today's Architect Show. It's February 27th, 2020. Today's show topics are business continuity, leveraging modern workplace and Azure to help keep your organization going with all that's going on in the current events uh, with Corona and some storms coming across the Midwest. Uh, we've figured it's a good opportunity to, to talk about those uh, those items. So today we have with us Mr. Wentworth and I am Michael Askins. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, it's a little cold today. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yesterday it was nasty and raining and mildly warm, and today I woke up to a bunch of snow. So, gotta love Pittsburgh, right? Yep, absolutely. So we're going to kind of cut right into it. Uh, it's a bit of a serious topic today. So um, we know from the modern events. If you're listening to this in the backlog, um, right now there is the uh, almost pandemic type event going on globally with uh, coronavirus. And on top of that, there is a bunch of storms in the, in the U.S. sweeping across. And there's some other things happening globally that, uh, you know, it kind of disrupts things. And we figured we'd take the opportunity to to talk to and address some of those challenges that organizations are having. And when I say organizations, it's organizations of all sizes, um, everything from small, medium businesses, large enterprise. Everyone has that challenge of, you know, being productive uh, while being safe. So we want to kind of touch on that today. Um, so initially, when we heard or when I heard that there was this uh, coronavirus sweeping across the uh, Europe out of Asia, you know, you, you, you pause for a minute, you're like, oh, okay. And then you start hearing that, you know, United States citizens are getting affected and you hear of all the things that are happening in the media and you know the first thing that comes to mind is you know i was or we are currently but i was once upon a time on the enterprise side of the house and responsible for drafting you know that plan for when you know snowmageddon comes or you know for organizations that have like live in hurricane zones and things like that drafting those those emergency plans to safeguard people number one we always think of people and then number two safeguarding data and then number three if we can how do we keep business going with a business continuity plan so you know we're going to dive deep in on that uh, mr wentworth any thoughts yeah absolutely i think that um this is a great topic you know current event running right into what we talk about a lot with you know modern workplace working from anywhere etc um this is a practical use of it you know right it's not just how we talked about in a previous show how i can work from from the gym or from you know uh, the restaurant or whatever it may be um this has real life implications like life and death implications even um not that's not, not even being overly dramatic that's exactly what a lot of organizations are doing right now they're trying to minimize exposure um, by having people use those tools that that we have not just for a nice to have thing but for a for a need to have things so i think it's a great topic yeah absolutely so so we'll we'll dive into like vectoring different types of resources and, and services one way or the other uh but you know you stop and you think, and, and I'm going to take the approach right now, at least right now, to say that the no matter what provider you're on, there's there's somewhat of an answer for providing that safeguard in place. You know, AWS has some stuff, GCP has some stuff. There's there's things everywhere um, that you can leverage. Some some better than others, obviously, but 
there are things that uh, will help your organization. And everyone knows that, you know, our day jobs were, were heavily vested with the Microsoft stack. But that's not saying we don't know or not aware of the solutions that sit in GCP or AWS or even at a colo with some of the, the larger colos. So so we'll talk broadly where we can and we'll dive deep into some of the application stuff here as we go. But, you know, the first thing we we're going to like pinpoint on is the impact on technology in general. So, so there's a couple layers, right? There's the what's my solution from a from an architectural perspective for protecting my data keeping my users working and keeping them out of harm's way in no specific order that's not ranked in order of uh, importance uh, but there's also another thing like we see on th these ads on tv for all our providers samsung apple um, htc for mobile devices and things of that nature and they're already declaring Right now, they're already declaring in yeah, Microsoft too. Microsoft devices, they've all came out and said that even though we're at the starting stage of this, the delivery of those resources are going to be impacted. And you know, so if you wanted to run out and get your, you know, hot new S10 or your whatever iOS device is the current, you may not be able to get that right away because you know the supply and demand bits are going to be affected. And the, you go a little step further when both Apple and Microsoft issue statements. They, they issue, I believe, one of the news outlets listed it as a financial warning. Now, this is in no means a way of saying that uh, a bunch of people get this this illness and all the travel issues that are going on. Then you couple in you know other stuff going on at the same time that they're in anywhere near peril as organizations. That's not the case. But when you start looking at like quarterly reporting and things of that nature, this is going to impact that. Have you seen anything or looked at anything there? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it goes kind of across all the, the manufacturing and technology spaces. You know, just this morning I saw even Tesla is being super affected. Um, their, their stock is dropping. Um, Apple, like you said, Microsoft for sure. Apple, you know, even released a statement that their their iPhones are, you know, becoming backordered and, and things like that. And, and and the reason is, you know, people, well, part of the reason is people just aren't showing up to work, rightfully so, right? Because they're they're afraid of that uh, that contact, you know, over in China where it's which really rampant right now. Uh, and that's where a lot of the devices and, and things are being manufactured. So there is a, a big issue with devices getting built um, and then shipped out. I, I saw even an article recently that there's a lot of devices, I forget what manufacturer it was, it might have been Apple, um, where they're just sitting on a shipping dock ready to go out, but the people that are supposed to be shipping it don't feel like coming to work because they don't want to get affected by this this, this disease. So it's yeah. really crazy. Yeah. Also, the other thing, too, it's worth noting is there's a lot of misinformation out there about this. Um, it could very well be pinpointed and, and controlled and contained and we can we can get beyond this. Uh, but like right now, there's so many unknowns that I mean, there's there's people freaking out about even receiving product from overseas. They're in fear that, you know, there might be a invisible germ lingering on something. I mean, what a way we've come. If you rewind back to the, you know, back to the days where germs were in themselves or just like a mind blowing experience for someone who like, hey, there's this little germy thing that could, you know, you know, disrupt your world and make you sick, you know, <laughs> 
I'm saying you know a lot because it's it, it is it's very important. If you notice, our our humor is a little bit down today because there there's people that have lost their lives already to this, and it's serious, um, and it's impacting people's health and well-being. It's impacting te- the technological stream of of materials to keep things flowing as we are as a society. Uh, but there's answers to that, and and we'll get to that. But I, I noticed you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, I saw a number of articles um, in the news recently where. Um, they were talking about the safety of packages you receive, you know, Amazon orders and Walmart orders and, and the like. Uh, people have been kind of nervous about opening it up, rightfully so. Um, I never thought of it until I read the article. And then I kind of sat with my subscribe and save box and was like, uh, should I be opening this? But <laughs> it seems like the, the consensus is it's all fine and the, the germ can't can't. Um, survive it. But a lot of people, like you said, don't really know. I mean, that's the consensus right now, but it's still in the fairly early stages of this. And um, we're still learning a lot. And it is something to to keep in mind, for sure, at least. Yeah, absolutely. And as as you said, and, and I alluded to earlier, there's a lot of misinformation out there or a lot of unknowns or a lot of unproven's. So, you know, it just takes one thing on the internet to, and I'm not saying this, I'm saying this pun intended, but not for humor's sake, uh, but to have it spread like a virus, if you will, like the virus is spreading in real world, but people are going to put out there, like, if you pop the bubble wrap in your package, you're going to blow, you know, whatever is in your, in your face. And I was like, come on, like, let's not spread misinformation. Let's find out what's, what's going on. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to even bring up. But, you know, I can tell you right now, the face based stream is just chock full of this kind of stuff. And this is one of the things that happens when people get scared, right? They default to extreme. So businesses tend to do that, too, as well. So they also have another approach where maybe they don't have ways to do things and and ways to connect and ways to engage with their people because they just pushed it down the road or they didn't really vest the time or think that it would apply to them. So they don't have a business continuity plan. They don't have a plan. Um, the CDC calls out for, you know, large business or all businesses, but they specifically say larger businesses are more apt to do this than smaller businesses. Um, and education to have a pandemic plan, have a weather contingency plan, like for Snowmageddon and hurricanes, and also to have a um, plan for when, say, if you're unionized and you need to do, you know, enable them, uh, them being the members of the union, you need to enable management, you need to enable security, you need to do this across all levels of enterprise. That rolls all the way down to your your flower shop down the road with five people who still need to process orders or still need to, you know, communicate with customers or handle whatever it is that they need to do. So th- there's always a bit of planning that needs to be done. And, um, you know, it's, it's relatively easy with a lot of colleges to, to pivot that way because they have the framework usually in place like Blackboard or some other remote or distance learning tooling. Um, some school districts have a one-to-one where they have like, Chromebooks and things like that, but some of the stuff's just not enabled or turned on to do remote teaching. Uh, what does that plan look like? Um, case in point, uh, I received a call from one of my personal um, 
planners and they're like, yeah, we know this is going on. We know the stock market's going crazy. We're still working. We have the ability to work everywhere, remotes, and we're monitoring, you know, what's happening out there in the world and what's happening with, with what you're doing and engaging with us on. And we're here to let you know that things are going. It was really good to hear that, right? They had a plan and they put it into action early. I mean, mind you, but still it's in place. It's rolling. It's going. Um, are you familiar with that uh, that concept out there with your customers that you're saying right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, like you said earlier, it makes sense to have this plan in place. And for this reason, it's kind of like an insurance policy, right? So if you don't invest the time and, and invest the money uh, and the cycles in this early, um, when, when something like this happens, you're going to have a reduction in productivity for sure. You know, there's people going to be not wanting to come in. And obviously we're not talking about, you know, some of the, the workers that have no choice but to come in. If you're a, a, a line worker, you know, you can't really do that remote in, for, for the most most part. Um, but for, for knowledge workers, for sure, it's very, very easy in, you know, 2020 to do a lot of what you need to do remotely. I mean, that's most of what we do in our day jobs. Um, I know a lot of people in a lot of industries I work with, um, accountants, um, finance people, um, management, et cetera, can do a lot of what they need to do from home. So minimizing that contact is super important and having a plan and the modern workplace technologies in place early uh, will be helpful for a number of reasons, right? If, if you have a, a, a employee that is just sick with, with the common cold, they can sit from their couch and get some work done uh, and, and kind of save some productivity there that they might not have if they didn't want to come to the office. And likewise, when you have an event that's widespread like this, you're going to obviously have a return on that initial investment where a lot of your workforce that does come down with the sickness or um, you know, just wants to avoid being exposed, can still get some work done um, as they feel up to it uh, from any location. So it's super critical. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, key individuals is the key thing, right? Like who who really does need to come in? And if you, if you think of it, again, frontline workers, obviously, you know, they're the, they're the, meat and potatoes of our of our earth they keep things turning they they make sure that everything's done and then there's that knowledge worker layer that is you know basically behind a keyboard and mouse all day long they can work anywhere um gathering in large groups and things of that nature has been discouraged right now as with standard flu protocol for flu season but they're they're saying to bring up this uh have it in your forethought of your mind and and don't go out of your way to have these, you know, large gatherings of humans to spread stuff. Um, but coming out of that, what, what are we what are we going to get coming out of that? You know, so there's going to be a rise in people working remote. There's going to be a rise of people who are, you know, wanting and needing to do things differently. The question is, is it, will it stick beyond this? So are we just going to are we going to see? I mean, this is an opinion question to you. Do you think we're going to see just this initial reaction? We're going to have this knee-jerk reaction to to address the situation in hand? Or do you think some of the stuff that that we can put in place is able to – I'm going to say we. I'm going to say we generally as an IT community. We can put in place or already have in place. We're going to see that stick as, as a new way or a more accepted way of working. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was I was thinking about this exact thing myself where um, 
a lot of organizations I work with, a lot of organizations I'm associated with, um, are experiencing a lot of, of growth very rapidly. Um, and one of the biggest issues they have with that is expanding the the real estate of, of their office, right? So if you do have an office, you kind of pick your office based on your, you know, five, 10 year plan, whatever it may be. And, and a lot of organizations I'm associated with are experiencing exponential growth beyond that, which is good. But then you sit there scratching your head like, well, we just signed a five-year lease, 10-year lease, and we're running out of cubes and offices. Um, and obviously, I think that the the solution to that is to uh, enable people to have kind of a shared workspace on site because there is value in, in having you know, human contact, like we have our, our human days where we meet up and, and do things. Uh, however, there's non pandemic avoiding benefits, if you will, to, to having, you know, that sort of remote work ability as well. Um, be it full-time remote or, you know, a couple days a week or, or whatever it may be, what have you. So I think that a lot of organizations that are resistant to, to doing that are going to potentially be forced to do it given the situation. Um, and, and once they are forced to do it, they might realize, hey, you know, work still got done. In fact, employees often are, are more productive at home because they, they don't have the disruptions. Um, they can do things that they need to do in the middle of the day without having to take half day off, et cetera. So once, they, once the organizations that are resistant to doing this type of work, this remote work, this modern workplace type, type style of, of workplace, um, once they are forced to do it, their hand is forced they might realize, hey, this isn't so bad and it's saving us a lot of money and we don't have to move into a bigger location and we can send some of our workforce remote, uh, et cetera, which I think is a great thing um, to kind of get a taste of it because you have to and then realizing, hey, this is a good thing for, for business reasons, not just for health reasons. Absolutely. And, and it's all in tolling and the execution of the tolling that allows that productivity to happen. So if you just if you just say, here's a device, and you, here's a, you click on that to connect our network, go at it, um, that's less productive than actually having a controlled set of tools in place for those circumstances, right? Um, there's, I, I can I can think of like 10 different things right now off the top of my head, uh, both on the Google platform and the Microsoft platform that can like solve, hey, we need, to, like something happens, we need to work now, remote, go. And everybody just disperses and leaves and goes to their little corner of the world and they can work. Um, the question is, is, is that an ideal deployment? Is that going to be sustainable for those those growth type individuals that you're, you're talking to? This organization that like, hey, you're out of cubes, go work from home. Um, you know, one of the other things that comes to mind is organizations that have BYOD. Uh, you bring your own device, you just plug in, you give administrative control over to to the to the admins of the org you're with. And next thing you know, you're on, you're going, you, you can get everything. But is that the right execution of that? And are we forgetting maybe some other services that could be uh, could make those? And I'm not going to call them like pigeonhole them into like nice to haves and creature comforts, but some nicer ways to operate. So, like for instance, we know Outlook is a kind of a hog, right? It's a resource hog. You click on it, and it's like kind of I love it. Don't get me wrong, I live in it. I love it. It's the greatest thing ever. But OWA or Outlook Web Access. It's far superior when you're remote, far superior when you're tethered to a phone. It's far superior to do that. So, so that education of that tooling on what to do when you're not there is is, is awesome for the end user because you're setting expectations and you're they, they'll feel supported, right? Especially if we're in a circumstance. Now, mind you, 
a, a crop up thing where like, oh, a blizzard came and all of a sudden we're all snowed in. I was like this quick thing. But as we see from like the virus perspective or say maybe a hurricane that's working its way across the ocean and you're an organization and you're scrambling and you're like, here, use these tools, go. And it's all it's all chaotic. Uh, the user is going to be chaotic, too. And, and, and you're not going to get that good experience for them. And, I'm, and I'm not, again, when I say good experience, I'm not saying, hey, we want them to feel like a warm blanket hug during this time of, of trouble. I'm saying a good experience is like I can get in. I can do what I need to do. I can talk to my vendors in areas that are not affected because they're still working. And I'm not really affected because I'm like in an outside zone or say it's a snow thing and well, I'm locked in my house and I shoveled out my car and now I can work and be productive. Um, obviously, we don't work when we're in peril. So, you know, if something, something bad's happening, you know, and you need to get out of Dodge, you do that. But the tooling and the execution and setting those expectations and giving that training of what tool set to use, where, when, how, it would be ideal if it was the same tool set across the board, right? That would be ideal because then you don't have to educate users on it. But being realistic about it, that costs a lot of money sometimes. Some organizations can do with, I need to collaborate and connect to my users. I need to share documentation and share stuff with internal and external with vendors because we need to keep things going. We have stuff being shipped or being made and it, it, it could impact what we're doing if I don't sign off on this thing being made over in that far part of the world that that I don't have access to because we're now in emergency mode or business continuity mode. And um Having having that tool set, being able to talk and share files with teams, um, being and on the Google platform, it, it, we're being a little more agnostic, like I mentioned, because of the seriousness of what's going on. You know, there's there's Google Drive, there's you know all kinds of stuff in the Google space where you can share documents and put some controls around it. Um, in the Microsoft stack, you can just ramp it and pack it all into Teams. Like here's Teams. This is how you communicate. You know, if you need to send emails, go to OWA. Any browser, anywhere, anytime. As long as you're connected, you can authenticate. To me, absolutely. That's- I was going to just kind of piggyback two things on, on what you said. Number one is, um, you know, how I mentioned that it's going to force or could force a lot of organizations into realizing that this is a good idea. Obviously, that's not going to be a decided state configuration, as we like to say. Obviously, <laughs> we we would have preferred to have this organization have people running remote once or twice a week as they can for the longest time when it's not system system critical, mission critical emergency. Uh, because then if they experience some issues, they could be like, oh, well, this isn't working, come into the office and figure out why. Um, those types of organizations are gonna have much more, um, much more uh, uh, good experiences when, when this happens because they're, they're, their end users are already trained. They know what works and doesn't work at their, at their location, at their, you know, internet speeds at home, et cetera. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention, you know, sort of being, um, uh, brand agnostic, but you know, teams just is, is pushing all of that into one, right? So it's trying to make teams, whether you're in the office or out of the office, the one-stop shop for communication, for your calendar, for, uh, your notes, for calls, uh, you name it. It's trying to get all of that into one. 
apps. And really the only thing that it doesn't do yet, uh, I say yet, is Outlook, right? Uh, and like you said, OWA is a great solution for that. And that's probably going to be not true uh, here soon. I assume they're going to be rolling something in because they are rolling much, much of everything in. But even on the Google side, you know, you have the um, Google Drives and, and the Google Team shared drives where you can do almost the same thing. And collaboration with Slack is, is very similar. So um, organizations that use that in non-emergency times, I think will have the best the best luck. Yeah, absolutely. So, so to the point you made about about Outlook not being in there, the only thing that's not in there is email because it does calendaring. Mm, true. Yes. It does tasks. It does. You can surface your public folders there if you're still doing that. Which <laughs> call me if you are. Um, <laughs> seriously, please do. There's a far better way to do that. Um, so like pretty much just the mail bits, the only bit that's not done. And you can see the separation uh, a while ago, uh, how Microsoft was segmenting their, their services when you would go to like to calendar.microsoft.com or calendar.outlook, you know, and then you got mail or outlook.com. You know, so there's all these different like ways they started like cutting up that service to make it be more available to other things to tie it all together. It's and, funny you mentioned that because I say Outlook and I think of mail now because everything else I do in Teams, I've yep. never really thought about that before. <laughs> but now when I say Outlook, I mean mail because I don't use calendar in, in Outlook. I use Teams. I yep. don't use tasks. I use to do or Teams. Um, that's funny. You're right because I, I meant mail, but mm-hmm. I think even in my spiel, I said, uh, I could do calendar and this. I could do, you know. Yep. So Outlook look to me just just means mail, mail. at this point. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Yep, absolutely. So so um, the the other bit of that is the administration. So if if we look at how how the Officer sixty five suites administrated um, administered the thing about the options and choices that are in there. If you go into that admin center and you're in the exchange admin center in 365, and there's things that if you're an exchange admin, you'd like normally go in there and pound out what you want to do. And it tells you, oh, can't do that no more. It's somewhere else. There's like every, every week it's, I know it's not every week, but it just seems like every time I go in there to do something, they're like, yep, not here no more. Go to the main admin center or go under users or go into, you know, this particular service to, to change that. So like there's actually not just a logical separation of those services, there's a logical administration change too. So, and, and that's the other thing too, is like, what are administrators doing during challenges? You know, in the, in the old days, I used to be one of those unfortunate souls tagged as, you know, critical staff. So when there was eight inches of snow fell overnight, I was in my four wheel drive or my SUV, driving to work because you had to be there. You had to keep keep the ship going so everyone else can, you know, do whatever they need to do from that uh, from that safe harbor. So yeah, I think it is definitely gonna change the way we we operate. If it's if anything, it'll bring heightened awareness and those organizations and individuals who really uh, get the concept of what it is to have a, a modern IT team and group will will take advantage if they haven't already um, to do better. And it's not like we're do, it's not like we're doing bad, but we can always do better, right? And, and things like this bring and surface that those things that we can do better at, right? 
back in the old days, we used to focus on the negative, like, oh, here's the warts there and we need to fix it and look at the surface because of this emergency. And you'd have a postmortem and you sit there and smack yourself in the hands, say, bad me, I didn't do that because I have 8,000 other things to do. And this is something that only happens every hundred years or what have you, but you, you get the point. It's time to do better. It's funny. I, re- I remember, you know, I, I, I kind of sort of grew up in, in the um, late stages of, you know, traditional IT and, and switching into the, the cloud. And by grew up, I mean, professionally grew up. But I remember as a young kid, um, my dad having to go in, he's an IT too, having to go into the office because a server went down in the middle of a, a big snowstorm. It wasn't the, the snowmageddon, um, <laughs> but it was, it was earlier than that. And, um, I remember, I can't remember if I actually went with him or if he just went himself, but regardless, you know, a server went down in the middle of this and it was a production server and it, it needed fixed and he was the, the director and he needed to be there with his guys to get it fixed. So he, you know, he didn't have a four wheel drive at the time. So he risked it with his front wheel drive car on, on the, uh, on the highway to get up to the, the office about 40, 45 minutes away. And he ended up having to get a hotel there and staying the night because he couldn't make it back. So yep. I know we've been talking about modern workplace a lot in this, in the show. Uh, however, this kind of relates exactly to, and, and going with the agnostic nature, um, Azure, I'll at least put them first, um, AWS and GCP, right? It helps not only modern workplace helps just the accountants, the finance people, the, the business people, the sales people, et cetera. Uh, but it helps the it people too, then the, in the management of it, right? So they don't have to get in their cars and drive all the way up and, you know, fix something. They can implement a disaster recovery plan. They can replace a server. A lot of that, they don't even have to be bugged about. It does it by itself, right? A server goes down, it fails over to something else. You get an alert and, oh, that happened. I'll check it later. The business still runs. Your disaster recovery can run automatically. Your Azure monitor can trigger an automation that fails something over without even you having to think about it, let alone having to get into a car, risk your life, and drive up to the office in the middle of a snowstorm. Uh, and, and that's double for, you know, pandemic type things. Um, you know, you don't have to go to the, the, the server room with a bunch of other guys that are um, – trying to fix their stuff, you can go in, you know, go into your your Azure portal, your AWS portal, say failover, you can add new systems, you know, so it keeps them safe as well, um, which is, I think even for me, just more mind blowing that you can just click buttons and fail things over where my dad in, in his part of his career at the time had to drive up 45 minutes to, to fail a server over. Yeah, for sure. And I was in a protected industry once and, uh, well, I work with protected industries now, but, uh, you know, high risk protected industry. And we were uh, always we, we had to have uptime. I mean, the nature of what we did, it needed to be up and working. And it didn't matter if the call came in at one o'clock on a, on a breezy summer night or if it came in at like three two, three in the morning in the middle of a snowstorm and, and, the, and the trucks aren't out yet. You do what you need to do to keep that stuff working, because, you know, certain industries, it is life or death. Right. You know, nurses and doctors are at the hospitals because people need them. The services that they use to make people better need to be running. You know, the same thing for any pick, pick an industry, you know, like even public safety and things of that nature. All that stuff needs to keep going. Government needs to keep working. Things need to work. So if you have the ability from a modern workplace perspective or even just being modern period with how you have your front end workers working all the back end and the back office teams you know they can leverage that same tooling as you mentioned and 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 have it where 
you're not investing what you used to have to invest back in the day to have multiple data centers, especially with cloud. No matter which which provider you pick, it's going to be cheaper for you in the long run to have something out there from a fault tolerance perspective, high availability perspective, something to fail over to, something where if something were to happen, you have peace of mind and you don't have a resume generating event because you just didn't get to something, you know, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And and you mentioned cheaper, but I'd go as far as to saying cheaper, but also um, safer from a digital and physical perspective. Right. So, like I said, you don't have your your IT workers driving in on a snowstorm or pandemic or hurricane because something's going down. And, you know, I'm, I'm this isn't to say that, hey, our financial reporting servers down, go fix it in the middle of a 24 inch snowstorm. But, you know, like you said, in those protected industries, the power industry, the, um, you know, water, gas, you name it, um, medicine is huge. You, you need to do that or people are going to, to suffer the consequences. So it, it saves um, the people that are supporting that physically. And also, uh, like you said, digitally as well, it's much cheaper to implement a disaster recovery uh, in, in a in a cloud mentality, cloud first mentality than it would be uh, if you're hosting those servers yourself. So uh, it's uh, less cost and safer. Yeah, absolutely. And that dovetails into one of the topics that we have like written down here is not everything needs to be available either. That, that's that's the best part of it all is when we go through exercises with our day job to do this exact thing for organizations that want a little guidance or validation, you know, some of the times we, we sit there and we look and we say, why did you pick this particular cluster of SQL servers in application to be highly available on all the time? As the sun goes, it's failing over to different parts of the world. Why did you pick that re- that's, that service, that resource to do that? Is that a critical resource? Is that a service or a system that is needed and required? Is, is that, you know, something within the scope of what you do that is going to impact your customers? Or is that something that can be not leveraged? I mean, one of the things when we when we go through those exercises, we hear all the time, initially, when we start talking about this topic, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be in the room and I'll say, okay, so what we're going to do is, you know, look at data classification and application classification, and then what systems are supporting that. And the number one thing I ask is, is don't think of the systems that you use. Think of what you need to do your job. And then think about what you want to do your job. They're two starkly different things. What you need and what you want are two starkly different things. And you can create an SLA around that where, you know, something happens. We know that we can keep email up and running. We can keep, um, you know, collaboration going with teams and file services. Well, normally file services back in the day was a deprioritized workload. When we start talking about business continuity, unless there's something in there that equates to line of business work, it was a deprioritized thing, right? You don't need to get to the public folder to see the pictures of the birthday party in the lunchroom that everybody floods in there. You don't need that. But the nature of what modern workplace has given us from a service perspective, it's going to be on and working because it's so integrally integrally tied to some of the other things, right? 
So we sit there and we say, okay, this is what you're going to get out of the box just by being in the cloud. You, and people think, oh, I'm in the cloud. We're good. We can work from home. Well, that's not true. Well, what about your applications and how your applications delivered? And it's largely around the security context. So if you have security and you have conditional access where I just don't want everybody in the world being able to pound on my intellectual property and I have, you can only connect to us from this type of way or this location, that's when services won't be on. So thinking of not just like, hey, turn it on, we're good, but thinking and changing that plan and updating, or if you have one, updating your plan to match with how things are operated today and layer, layering that security context on top of it, that's where the gold is for an organization. They can say, we're gold, we got the stamp, we're gold, we're good. We are secure and we are enabling. Yeah, that's one of my, my favorite topics to, to talk to customers about is the different levels of disaster recovery and different levels of, of availability availability you have with the cloud, right? So um, like you said, you could have a follow the sun kind of mentality where you you fail over uh, your systems across the, the sun for a global organization. But does that really matter? Do you have a lot of people from all the different regions connecting or could you deal with some latency in, in some areas? Uh, but also, you know, maybe you have something on in one location uh, and you have Azure Monitor, keep an eye on it. And if it gets too too busy, you add a new resource or if it gets um, some issue with it, you fail it over. There's multiple different types of, of disaster recovery, auto, automatic, uh, manual um, and kind of continuous, I guess, where you're following the sun. Um, so it's really fun for me. But again, like you like to mention on, on these shows, I like to torture myself with hard problems. But um, <laughs> I do think it's it's an interesting thing for just generic times, you know, generic. Um, how do you want your disaster recovery handled in, in the case of just system failure or system outage, whatever, but also in uh, events such as such as this, where there might not be people showing up to a, a certain data center or, you know, a data center might be down from a hurricane, uh, what have you. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, so one of the other things that are, are critical, um, dare I say clutch, is you may have, you general, may have thought of this and maybe implemented some, if not all, of different things we've talked about and more and beyond, because it's definitely beyond what we're talking about, things that need to be considered. Um, it's only good if you test it. It's only good if you validate it works. And you don't want to be doing that with just like one user or when an event occurs where you need to use it, right? There's organizations I've done these plans with where we schedule every quarter a certain subset of their workers work work on DR mode against DR resources or BC resources. So we're in like... DR mode, BC, again, that's disaster recovery, business continuity. We're, we're working against those systems. And, you know, we are at a point with technology where we're able to do that. Um, now, mind you, with some of the backup and failover stuff that we we have talked about in the past with, you know, I'm going to specifically stick with the Microsoft stack, you know, the no penalty testing of, you know, Azure backup and site recovery. There's no charge for that. You can get on there. It's not it's not live, right? There's organizations that actually fail over, turn everything on, the meter starts spinning, and they want to ensure that their monthly tests are validated with end users. It's like end user acceptance testing of, of, of their DR systems. That's real time. That costs real money if it doesn't work. So, you know, it's super critical. 
Absolutely. And I think it's awesome too. in in that same token, uh, becoming a little less agnostic here in that that testing, you can do a lot of automation with that too, right? So you could spin up a number of virtual machines at different locations and test connectivity. Um, You can do a lot of different testing with applications, different um, VNets, different subnets, whatever it may be. You can automate a lot of that testing. Obviously, it's important to have end user testing as well, um, but you can automate a lot of that initial testing and see if something is, is not working right. So you can make the change before you bother the you know, Joe down the road to see if he can connect to something while while from while he's at his house or, or something. Yep, absolutely. The one other thing that always sticks out in my mind um, with situations that are, like we have right now is uh, again being less agnostic. But this applies to the G Suite too. Um, but I'm going to leverage the the Microsoft space because we see more of that, and I can equate that to what what the listeners will understand. Um, my thought, anyways. So having we'll just we'll just pick on 365 right now having office 365 and or microsoft 365 and you migrated your mail you know what you migrate only once you're there you turned on some stuff you enabled users you think you're good you're not optimized there's so much that needs to be done especially if you're leveraging voice if you're leveraging voice in there's a situation where your your workers are working remote because they can't get in for whatever reason, and you don't have the offices and the 911 stuff set up properly, you don't wanna be on the hook for if they call 911 from your service and it dispatches the police, fire, medics, whatever, to your home office because they just like, in a panic, just dialed 911 from their computer, right? Or their Teams or Skype enabled phone. That's a problem. I don't use the P word much, but that's a problem because you are now jeopardizing your employees. Um, from a security perspective, just turning it on and not having you know conditional access done properly, um, you're now opening up places. Uh, your, your attack surface is widened, and you know not to be a doom and gloom kind of an individual, but when there's an event occurring, and I, I know for sure specifically in the United States, and if it's specifically regional. There's bad actors around the globe that pinpoint and target companies and organizations in there, knowing that they may be in a a business continuity or a DR mode, and they will pinpoint you guys and they will target you to try to crack you, hack you, and then smack you. That's kind of one of the things they they look for. They're bad actors for a reason, right? So you're not optimizing your security there. You're not layering in the right tools if you're not looking at that kind of a thing, or at least considering it. And you may be good. You may be mint. You may not be. Is it worth the risk? That's the question I have. So there's several things you can optimize, be it if you're on G Suite or 365 to help uh, help users and help with, you know, the enablement of them. Uh, you got anything that comes to mind? Yeah, absolutely. Conditional access is huge where you can kind of narrow down the locations where your remote workforce exists. But, you know, however much you do on on the front end of that, there's always going to be a way around. So enabling things like Azure information protection and data loss prevention and, and doing that um, to kind of prevent data leakage either intentionally from your workforce, maybe the bad actor is internal, hopefully not, but you never know. Um, or if the bad actor is external and you just have a, an end user that's kind of falling for their their 
spoof email or their uh, phishing attempt or whatever it may be, um, you can actually prevent that data from going out even if they, they are sending it to that unauthorized source. So um, you want to have some protections in place to make it not happen in the first place, but you definitely want to have some protections on the back end like AIP and DLP um, to prevent your end users either intentionally or unintentionally sending that data outside the organization or outside the organization to unauthorized individuals. Yeah, absolutely. So our one of uh, a day job organization's partner, uh, S4N, uh, spo- usually sponsors our, our shows here. Uh, they have options too. You know, when you th- talk about if you're on a Cisco voice solution or if you have, you know, Cisco and you want to be provide connectivity or Palo Alto, you got Global Connect, you got Any Connect, you got all these different things out there. And there's also a layering of security that they have too that couples and dovetails in with the Microsoft solutions. They play very well together and and there's a whole lot that you need to think of in, in Googling the list of what do I do for DRBC plan. That's going to get you somebody's point of reference or a vendor's point of reference. You need to know what your organization's uh, position needs to be. And you need this to is be, a one size does not fit all, right? Uh, that's our that's our mantra, right? Yeah, for sure. So. That being said, I think we're gonna we're gonna pivot away from some of this a little bit. Uh, there's a link to what I'm about to talk about here. So, Channel Nine Video of the Week. We're still gonna do that this week, and there's a reason why. And the Channel Nine Video of the Week is actually I don't know if it's timed this way or not. If it was just coincidence, but it is about Windows Terminal, and it is a new tool. It's in preview right now. You can get on the Microsoft Store. And it enables you to provide PowerShell, enables you to provide command line, Azure connectivity. You name the language. If you're doing Python, there's Python. Whatever you can plug into Visual Studio Code, you can have on your Windows terminal. And what's super great about it is that the Azure bits are phenomenal. I just recorded a video for our video channel on that very topic today, kind of dovetailing into what the Channel 9 uh, bits are about. So you can actually see all your subscriptions your ID is tied to. So if you are supporting multiple tenants and you like acquisitions, a lot of the times you're dealing with multiple tenants. One of the things that's super cool about that is in situations like we are facing right now and you need to manage all these tenants everywhere and say you have, you need to shut some stuff down or fail some stuff over or look at the status of stuff uh, or or auto scale it, but you need to have some visibility into it. You can do it all from one terminal, one terminal based upon your subscription you have. And it's it's a pretty phenomenal uh, from what I've experienced with it so far. And we'll put the link in the show notes, Uh, but it's well thought out in my opinion. And it, kind of really dovetails into into what we're talking about today, getting those tools to those administrators to be able to do what they need to do on a day-to-day basis, but just extend that beyond and be super nimble during times of crisis. Um, Much along the same lines where individuals have heard me say how much I like the Azure tool on mobile devices because you get a nice PowerShell or Bash uh, command line, same thing there. You can invoke scripts and things like that to turn stuff on and off or get some monitoring, viewing, things of that nature. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, we were just talking about something like that yesterday. How I was having some trouble getting different uh, different tenants aligned from from the consulting perspective too. So I'll definitely have to check that out myself. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that being said, I think we're going to draw a close today's show. Um, you know, our hearts go out to those who are affected by this. We hope that um, doesn't impact much more. Uh, we know that it may. So. Um, we will keep posting some stuff out there, hopefully give you guys some ideas and some tools on uh, things that make your lives a little bit easier. Any final words? Uh, yeah, just, you know, mirroring that sentiment, um, stay safe, safe out there, do what you need to do to, to stay healthy. That's obviously number one. We always say we're a technology first company, but really we're a, we're human first company. So stay safe. And, and if technology can help you do that, we're all for it. Um, keep following us on, on, you know, subscribe to our, our channels, follow us on our different social medias, including, uh, Spotify and, you know, we're on Apple podcasts now too. So definitely follow us there, um, for, for further updates and, um, uh, further ideas that we have to, to keep you guys uh, moving forward and and uh, and healthy. Fantastic. All right. Thank you to S4N and Taste Labs. In the show notes, you can get links to those organizations as well. All righty. Have a good day. See you, everyone. Today's show is produced by Mr. Wentworth, directed by Michael Askins. Graphics and artwork provided by Art by Sophia, edited by Mr. Wentworth. Visit the show notes for terms and conditions. planning a sort of semi-surprise party for Brad's girlfriend, and we were afraid she was going to be working. Um, She's off? Yeah, Tuesday. Awesome. So what we're going to do then is, since Brad's our number one fan, and we're recording already, you can clip this little thing and put it after the music. Boom. (laughs) We'll just have a secret thing after every time. It's not like she loves yeah, to do it. <laughs> we're doing a Harry Potter theme. I don't think okay. she's ever had one. She loves Harry Potter. It's going to be awesome. Sweet.